Hey, movie lovers, welcome back for another Anatomy of Movie here at the Popcorn Talk Network. Today, we're going down deep into the spider's lair. That's right, the girl in the spider's web. The follow-up to the girl with the dragon tattoo. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. For the Girl with the Dragon Tattoo series. I remember when we did the first one. We have Dimitri Panos. Hey, movie fans. We have Marissa Serafini. Hello, everyone. And we have a newcomer to the series. Hello, Mina Wahab. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Of yes. course, of course. For those of you joining us for the very first time, a couple things. First off, welcome to you. Thank you for joining us. Second, know that this is not just a review show. We'll give our quick opinions about what we thought of the movie. But then after that, we're going to get into in-depth storylines and so forth and give you the how and the why so it is going to be spoiler filled but we're going to go beyond just our opinions we're also going to give you how this thing got made and of course culminating to the box office because numbers after all is really what anyone cares about (laughs) certainly from the business perspective um so there you have it there's your spoiler warning if you'd like to follow along we do have a pdf of our rundown and notes included in the description box because sometimes we don't get to everything you know, admittedly, and we want to have that there for you. And lastly, you are a participant in this discussion just as much as we are. The comments section, uh, we'll give our, our social media handles at the end, all that stuff. Let us know what you thought of the movie because that's what makes this enjoyable for us, even though, of course, we love talking about it with ourselves, but, <laughs> but it is incomplete. So without further ado, let us begin with overall thoughts as we normally do. Marissa, we'll start with you. So I was a fan of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo years ago when David Fincher made it popular in America. And I read the first book, liked it, and then I watched the movie, loved it. It was great. And so now a few years have passed, and going into this one, I had high expectations because that film was just, like, so well done. Admittedly, I haven't seen the Swedish ones, so I only had the American version to go off of, but, like, it set such high standards, and I went into this one with unfair set high standards as well i actually enjoyed this one um it was it felt kind of slow pace here and there but there was a lot of cat and mouse action that i i liked and it was fun to follow these characters that were going from point a to point b and point c and it kept me engaged throughout the entire thing Marissa, I'm, I'm just did did we cover the david fincher girl with the dragon tattoo I mean, I'm going to go on like, record and say yes, and if I'm yeah. wrong, then I'm going to go off record and say no. I'm going to go on record and say no, because that one <clears> came <throat> out in 2010, and After Buzzy wasn't even around in 2010. So, yeah. no, we did not cover it. There you go. It, was it feels like yesterday. Huh? <laughs> I know. It feels... Yeah, it came out in 2010. I, mean, I know, because I was in college, and I was studying film, so I studied Girl with a Dragon Tattoo when that one came out. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Because, you know, I think I was getting uh, confused with uh, David Fincher's other adaptation, Gone Girl, Gone Girl yeah. which we did do. Yeah. For sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. We Sorry. have just discredited ourselves <laughs> entirely. Hey, so we are honest. <laughs> Give us some credibility stuff. back. What did you think yeah, of the movie? I mean, I thought it was entertaining, but then there were parts where I just felt like, oh, this isn't that believable, or there were parts where I just would lose a little bit of interest. Um, I did like that there was a bit of a backstory between the, the sisters, the protagonist and her sister not talking. I wish they would have delved into that a little bit more than they did because it just felt like her sister was portrayed as this like super, super villain, like this stereotypical, like dressed in red, appearing out of thin air. Like there were a lot of parts where I was like, this isn't believable. So mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. It was entertaining mm-hmm. though. It was fun. All right. Dimitri? Well, for me, being a fan of the books, I've uh, read the books, um, the, the, the Swedish versions, which, which have numerous paces as Lisbeth Salander, uh, and, and watching the David Fincher, you know, going into this movie, it's, it was sort of kind of odd. So, number one, you don't have the precision of David Fincher's direction going into this, and you also didn't have the nuanced mystery that Stieg Larsson uh, had written in each of the three books, yet they still were able to make a decent adult thriller, which we haven't had a good one in a while, like as far as an adult thriller goes. Um, you can definitely tell uh, where they were cutting in budget, and that's in the cast. I mean, look at Claire Foy, I think owns 
Elizabeth Salander. She made the cat. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Character her own. I thought she was fantastic. I didn't recognize anybody else really except for the girl from Blade Runner 2049. But that's not a bad thing. It's sort of kind of refreshing to go into a movie where I don't know everybody. So, so that was kind of cool. Um, when I talked about the nuance of mystery of Steve Larson, if I'm going to go, like, you know, I felt that the, the plot was a little bit James Bondish from stealing nuclear codes and keeping, you know, these codes from bad guys' hands. They sort of, this new story sort of takes Elizabeth Salander on different types of adventures, so to speak. Um, my other thing, too, is the movie really does expect a lot from its audience in that. It really expects you to be familiar with the world uh, within the Stieg Larsson books. And there's not a ton of exposition explaining certain things about the relationship between Salander and Bloomquist, about Bloomquist's relationship with his boss, the publisher of the Millennium Magazine, um, about Elizabeth's father who factors in this movie, but if had you not either read all the books or seen the Swedish films, you really don't understand what a badass... He was a really, really, really bad guy. And it, they sort of kind of expect the audience to be familiar with the world, and I think that was like a little bit of a misstep. We're going to talk about marketing. I felt marketing gave away, as always. Uh, I think the, the trailer gives too, too, too much away. Um, but I enjoyed the pacing of the movie. Mm -hmm. um, the gentleman who directed it, uh, who did uh, this fade, uh, Alvarez, who did Don't Breathe, which I was really big fan of. I think he kept the pacing going. The movie also introduced some new characters that I thought were cool. So overall, I do find it to be a good adult thriller. It's just very interesting how they pick this story, which takes place after the Millennium series. Mm -hmm. So, and they expect you to pick up with them. Well, for me, to be honest, I, I was looking forward to this movie a lot, and unfortunately, it, it disappointed. Um, there was a couple made. Normally, when I look at plot holes, I can overlook them, but there was two major plot holes that um, I won't tell just yet. I'll tell when we get when into it. When are we going to Oh, because now I'm dying to know. <laughs> well, that, as is the audience. That's oh, called the fair. suspense. Uh, <laughs> They, they were just two of the biggest plot holes that I've seen in a while, and I just couldn't get on board, unfortunately. Um, and, yeah, I, I think one of the things for me, and maybe we can kick it off here, as far as she's concerned, Salander, she is a woman writing the world because of men's actions. And especially in this this day and age that we live in, I think that would have been a great commentary. But ultimately, it's her versus her sister who ha who is a woman. It'd be one thing if it was her against her brother, her against her dad. It's supposed to be her against men, and mm -hmm. that's not the case. And I, I like just from that. That's not even a plot hole, right? You talk about two things. <laughs> or, that's just the the core of what's happening. And I want to get from your perspective. Um, how do you guys feel about that? Because she was supposed to be this iconic character for women, right? I mean, I can completely understand that also but i i feel like that would be too not not to say it would be bad but it'd be too much of a social commentary it's like we know the whole me too movement is happening right now mm -hmm. it would be make this movie more relevant had they switched the story to cater more of you know just like men a, a woman against all the men but i i think because admittedly i haven't read the book i'm not sure if the book actually follows like still follows the the rhythm of her just going against men. This one is more family based rather than just gender based. Right. Yeah, I didn't I didn't feel like her animosity towards like aggressive men who have done horrible things was the motivating factor for every action. 
in the movie. So I don't think it needed to be present. I felt like we got a little bit of it in the movie. Um, I liked how they, they focused on the relationship with her sister. I just wish they did a little bit more of that and not made it so surface level. Mm-hmm. Um, because like he was saying, I just I just feel like a lot of the characters didn't have a backstory. Like, as I was watching the movie, I was like, who is this person? Who is this person? Like, who is from Phantom Thread? How is this person relevant to the plot And in terms of, like, moving it forward? So I feel like there wasn't a lot of um, in-depth character explanations. Yeah, and to your point, though, I see where you're going. And, again, when you're talking the original trilogy whether it be the books or the Swedish versions, you know, it is men who have had that influence on Salander's life that turned her into what she is and what she becomes. And that's why she is the avenger of women from bad men when the, when men do very bad things to women. It wasn't really explained here. <clears throat> I didn't mind that they brought in this sister, but it really does go back to... um the father factors in so heavily again um, throughout the trilogy, particularly in the second story and the third story. And you really get the sense of why Elizabeth or why Elizabeth Salander's that way. Um, the movie had very little exposition. Some people might say, some people like always complain that there's too much exposition. This movie didn't almost have enough of it to figure out like who the internet guy was. That that's her friend, like who plays a huge part of like the you know they don't explain away really Bloomquist's relationship with Salander, and like I said at the top, like why he's able to sleep with this woman who's married, but this factors in a lot. So. It's really it was a, it was an interesting choice, and I wonder if through the various rewrites, things were jettisoned because they either assumed that the audience knew enough. You know, the other thing that we didn't discuss is this movie is skipping two other stories. Yeah, so they you- never made "Girl Who Played with Fire" and "Girl Who Kicked a Hornet's Nest." So, and they're starting off at a weird point off of a book that wasn't even well the original author had passed away so it's a new guy writing it so they don't explain that at all so that's a, it's a weird jumping off point that sony decided to do it's skipping yeah. a big timeline absolutely mm-hmm. two big stories well from what from my, mm-hmm. i i haven't read the books it's certainly not this one but uh from what i understand this book is also still very the the book is different than the movie so not only do you have a new author writing the source material, which is different than the original source material, you're also changing that source material for this, right? which is kind of strange. Um, speaking of characters I, I, that kind of didn't have a backstory, and, and you know, you've mentioned it, the sister, right? I want to talk about that because I'll reveal one of my gripes with the movie. Yeah. The major plot ho- point is the ending. The, you have a villain... And the way she is defeated is she defeats herself. She jumps off a cliff. Mm-hmm. And that might work, except I, I understand the sentiment of why. Like, she feels she's become this monster like the dad. But we don't, you're, you guys are right, we don't have that in, uh, enough established with the relationship between the, the two sisters themselves as to why this would actually. So I almost laughed. I was like, this is the climax? Mm. It was very anticlimactic, if anything. Yeah, I mean, the way I looked at it, too, was, number one, it it appeared as if she had been mortally wounded regardless. So whether she jumped off the cliff, she was either going to bleed out or something. I also took the jumping off the cliff as a a recall to when Lisbeth did that when she was 12. At the beginning. uh, At the beginning of the movie. Um, So, you know, you're right. It was a bit anticlimactic um but for elizabeth to see what happened and and i get to me one of the more powerful lines of the movie is when elizabeth's sister says to her you know you avenge women from very bad men you never saved me like why didn't you come back for me Mm -hmm. because you knew and 
Lizbeth's response was what, what did it for me was she goes, I couldn't go back there. Like, again, sort of kind of, you get the feeling how miserable it was. And she can help other people or other women mm-hmm. with bad men or, or men who do bad things. But she just couldn't go back to that. She couldn't go back because it was so bad. Um, and again, though. Well, it was too much no of a tell, story. don't show. Right. Yeah, as far as the father, like, to be honest, I, 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 I hate to kind of like be crass in this way. But like, I didn't know if he was going to rape her, beat her, what he was going to do with her. And, you know, all those things are equally bad. Um, and I know the imagination is supposed to be worse than perhaps sometimes reality. But you just needed more of, like, how, what was the effect on both of them? Right. And, I mean, and at the beginning, you kind of, because they didn't necessarily spoon feed us. But you can mm-hmm. understand enough that this is a bad man who does bad, questionable things. So you know that they, both of these girls, at least had physical and emotional abuse. Well, let alone maybe sexual abuse, but we can kind of, you know, think about, like, yeah, that actually happened, too. But it, I think it was just to d- establish that this is not a good guy. This is where these two girls started off with. This is another reason why Elizabeth is the way that she is, because she has been wronged by men in her life. So this is, like, the the pathway that set her on the path to this is why she does it. Um, not that it's a good excuse, but it it definitely builds for a character development while you understand her a little bit better. And like, had you known that the father was a deep, dark figure within human sex trafficking, that would maybe no. like right. But you don't know that in this movie. And again, it's just a really interesting thing that it's a weird choice for a reboot. <laughs> to do because they really do anticipate that the audience is going in somewhat educated um, when I would have to say they're not like they might like the universe from the David Fincher movie but they may not have taken the effort to have read the books I'm not saying that I'm not saying it broad based I'm sure there are lots of people who did but there's an audience out there most likely hasn't right and you gotta remember like the last time we saw it girl with dragon tattoo that was 10 like eight going on 10 years ago almost a decade has now passed a whole a whole nother generation has passed and granted the millennial x generation is not the type of generation that would normally actually go see this film well i i i honestly thought and uh, you guys can give me your perspective on it because it was a new cast entirely that they would kind of almost make it like spoon feed you know, because when I, you get a new cast, it's like, it's no different to me. Like, you, you've completed the Christopher Nolan Batman films. Now you're starting a new Batman series. So, like, okay, we'll give the backstory of Batman a little bit. Whatever the hell. Like, even if people are familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Because that's just what it is. Were you going to say something? No, no. Like, that's so true. Like, that was my, my major issue with all of it. But I wasn't going into it thinking, like, this had to be a great work that had plot points that made sense. I think that's why this type of film is a film that would do well internationally because you're not, like, going to watch it for the dialogue and and to see the story. I think people go to see a movie like this, like, specifically for the action because it's kind of like a James Bond film with a strong female lead who is kind of going out to get her revenge and, and do what she needs to do to get the codes back. So she's on a mission. I feel... Like, part of me feels like the reason I couldn't get fully into it was because the story wasn't there. But I think most people can still enjoy it without having that story. (laughs) Just because it's so action-oriented. I don't think mm -hmm. it's so dialogue-oriented. And then I think it speaks to just the writing of, we've covered so many movies here, but we can definitely see the progression of more stronger lead females. And just knowing that there's a strong female who's very assertive and goes about her own ways without giving two-ish about anybody else. Like, that's that's something cool to watch. So, mm-hmm. like, that is very appealing just for the, the female demographic to watch. And then for the action, you get men. Yeah, and when you think about it, too, because this series itself was written in the very early 2000s, right, by Steve Larson, and he did create a heroine. Um, damaged by actions of men... But she became a force to be reckoned with. And the relationship that she she has with Blomquist sort of carries it through. Um, so it is really interesting how, how, like, again, we're talking almost 20 years 
uh, since the since the novels had been written, right? And they were written well before a Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. So he was, Stieg Larsson was like ahead of the curve already. So, um, you know, and then the actresses who've played Lisbeth too, I think they've each made the character her own. They've had the, they've had the great attitude. Um, and this is why I really did love Claire Foy. And I will say this, the movie ended and I'm like, Okay, I could see another one of these with her in it again. I wouldn't like. I wouldn't mind. I I, I liked it. So it's just um, it, it, it's it's an interesting way in which Sony decided because there's a whole story to that too. But it's interesting how they've decided to go forward in trying to bring more stories of Elizabeth Salander, not so much the Millennium Saga. Well, even that is a fundamental shift. Like normally. There's some criticism from like diehards that I've read that that it's not through the eyes of Blomquist. It's we're kind of exposing the mystery, if you will, Um, because in in his writing of her, uh, there's a certain um, certain hidden mythos that you don't quite know of, like how is she pulling this off? Whereas now here we really get to see the curtain pulled back and see how she is able to do all these things, you know, through her hacking and so forth. Right. no, were you guys, to be honest, I wasn't necessarily bothered by it. it. Doesn't from just basing it off what you guys said earlier, it doesn't seem like you guys were bothered by that aspect of it. Not so much. I mean, I, I, I and believe me, I do understand what you're saying. Um, but well, what those people? Me, I, right, yeah, right. Again, I'm just citing well, what I've read. What they're me, saying again, though, it's going into just diving into the books a little bit, or actually into the stories, right? The first movie, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, which we've all seen the American version, right? Mm-hmm. That is a, in a sense, a locked door mystery, okay? We've got our characters in one location. They're trying to figure out who's sending this rich guy these letters, right? Um, and then bad things are happening. The second story in, in all of this, that story is more of a thriller, it really is a suspense thriller. And then the third story in that series is more of a courthouse procedural, right? Where everything's coming together and you're learning more and more about Lisbeth Salander. And it isn't necessarily from the writings of Bloomquist, because at that time, their relationship had become estranged and they were sort of working together, but not as they were in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So it's really interesting how you had three different types of genres within the books and in the the Swedish version. Um, We never got to see that play out with an American screen on film here. So, Well, last we left them, she was pissed off at him. Right. Yeah. You know, Daniel Craig was not having a good day in terms of uh, (laughs) Rooney Mara's eyes. (laughs) No. 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 And that's how the book somewhat ends. But then the rest of the series is they need, they learn that they need one another. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and they both care for one another. uh, And it's about almost, I don't Patching up, I guess, is the best thing that I can come up with. Patching up the relationship. Again, although they never sleep together, again, as they did in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. But They wanted they, to in this film. <laughs> there was, they, they definitely did. showed that. Yeah, they, 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 they did. And it took the relationship further um, than the, the, the past, let's say, two stories. So I found that to be very interesting uh, as well. Because you're right. The last time they saw him, she was pissed. <laughs> Rightfully so, I, you know. Well, I want to ask you: Is this uh, who can explain the central kind of MacGuffin to me in a very simple way? I understand it, and yet it's so convoluted with like it, it, it's just the end of the world type stuff all over again for me. Um, so I, I'd love to hear it, perhaps stated a different way. From like, I mean, I mean, you know, like the whole like just because. This is this is the crux of what she's after, um, and again, the, 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 apart from the sister who who, as we've kind of identified, we don't have that full connection. You know, we don't have the full backstory, so we we can't connect full empathy with it. Perhaps all we're left with is kind of action action of like, oh, there, there's all these missiles and they can blow up the world, but we need this. But the way I looked at it was, there was this guy. He invented an app 
It's basically an app. That's the way I looked at it. He invented an app which could launch missiles from any smartphone. If you have the app, you press a button, you'll launch missiles. He, he invents this. People are like, wow, what a great invention. He thinks about it and says, hmm, I don't think that's a really good idea. He gets Elizabeth to, to go steal it so that back so he can destroy it. Meanwhile, we have Elizabeth's sister who is not, obviously, she doesn't necessarily pick up from her dad. She's not a human sex trafficking girl. Mm-hmm. But she's taking evil more. And this is where it gets a little bit James Bond. She wants to steal this thing so she could have the control of the missiles from a smartphone. And she's manipulating, what is it, the Stockholm Swedish. Yeah, yeah, whoever it is, because they're going to get it for her. And, you know, there was that whole, whole twist. She basically so stole it in transit. She basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah basically. Well, okay. And but, she killed the middleman. Yeah. She stole <laughs> it in transit. Yeah. She stole it while someone else was stealing it. Yeah. It's, I, I, part of it was just an exercise to hear how ridiculous it was. Okay, so so my second plot hole is this. If the goal for the Swedish government, I'm going to just call them that, was yeah. to get their hands on this this program, which, don't get me started on like the programmer then deciding, oh, this isn't good. Uh, but she essentially had the program, because it was in the spider's hands, mm-hmm. and she had the dad, Steve Merchant, and the son, you know, the little boy, August, in their possession. We have the two things that we need. We have the program, and we have the people that, that, that know how to activate the program. So why why did we go on these certain steps for the middle well, somebody of the was movie? Getting, somebody was getting paid an awful lot of money to get, and I believe it was the Swedish government, if I'm correct. I saw the movie a little while ago. So, But somebody was paying somebody, not Lisbeth. Lisbeth was getting paid by the dad, but they didn't want the dad to get it back. So... They were paying Stockholm or Swedish FBI or whoever they are. Well, that's what I'm saying. They, they, yeah. they, so they had. They, they essentially had it, mm-hmm. and then a large chunk of the movie happens to make them not have it, only so they could have it again. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it makes no sense to me. It, it's more so like. They put obstacles in the way to get right. everyone to a certain location. Right. They, they really just bought themselves time so everyone can travel the world and get to the final one location at the end. Which is sweet. And I, I also believe that um, Elizabeth's sister uh, was was weaving a web to cross paths with Lizbeth again. Mm-hmm. To, because it was a good way for her to exact revenge on why she never came back for her when she wanted the help. I understand the sentiment. I'm, it's just nothing in the movie indicated that to me. I'm sorry. That, that's that's my other big plot hole of this entire yeah. thing is that it's just certain things happen for the sake of plot versus mm-hmm. motivation. Yeah. Unfortunately. But all right. I'll, I'll stop being nitpicky. No, I mean, well, it's what this show's about too. I mean, like, how do you know? I mean, it's 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 not a it's not an unassigned. Like, I get it. I mean, and this is why I wonder how many drafts the script went through um, to get it to this, mm-hmm. um, and what they're planning on doing because they seem to take Lizbeth in a bit of a different way. Um, and, and again, like I said at the top, it's really not a nuanced mystery as to all like the books and the other movies have characters all over the place. And it's their pieces. And how are we getting these pieces together? This movie tr- attempts to do that. For me, for the most part, it succeeds minus the bond plotting. Well, because it's, it's all about getting the codes. What country is going to get the codes and who's gonna and who's gonna pay the highest price? And then at the end of the day, they're gonna be destroyed. Yeah, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. The biggest mystery was um, uh, Michael. I'll call him Michael. Uh, figuring out that it was her dad. Mikhail? Yeah, Mikhail. Mikhail. Um, figuring out that it was her dad, but then she already kind of figures that out on her own. So he brings her this information, and but that's just to get them together again. Right. It's not like she needed that piece of the puzzle. Yeah. There were, I mean, the whole thing, I know you mentioned the two plot points earlier, Mm -hmm. but there's even more than that. Like, even in the little 
details of the film, like when the American agent goes and tries to get into Elizabeth's house and it's, what, it's not a gated community, he just goes right in through the door and it's like so easy for him to get through. Like, do you remember that scene? I feel like there was a lot of that where, oh, there's a clue right here, let me just pick it up at the perfect time and let me find this and let me piece this with this. It's sweet. So there was was a lot of that. So, I mean, it wasn't just the two major plot points. That was like the whole movie. I mean, I, I do believe in suspension of disbelief, and that's why I'm able to forgive those. And maybe, but uh, but when something like for me, those two things are just egregious. And um, but anyway, let's and I like that character. By the way, he's a new character. That guy you're talking about the I, NSA agent. The NSA agent. I actually really enjoyed Needham. that guy Ed Needham and how he was how he was actually written because I didn't know whether he was for or against. Like, I didn't know what he was doing. Like, he knew that he screwed up. And it's like, is he part of the problem? Or is he going to be part of the assistance? And then when he ends up, like, being part of the good guys, I mean, I thought his scene at the end of the movie, when he's helping Salander get out of the house, I thought that was awesome. Yeah, I thought that was good. Um, I liked his character because, yeah, yeah he, he screwed up at the beginning. He let the firewall get stolen. So, yeah. of course, he has to inject himself. He's like, crap, I got to go get it now. Um, and coming from America, I might just sound biased, but I was rooting for him. I was like, it, it's the Americans are now getting involved because now it's an international problem. And I, I liked him because he was the smart he was a smart guy. He figured out what things were happening. Yes. He was always like one or two steps behind Elizabeth because she's way smarter than he was. Right. And uh, like I liked Elizabeth in that way and how like she trapped him and went like got you. That was awesome. That was awesome. But it it like it was just another challenge for Elizabeth. It's like oh great now I gotta you know watch out for you too. Yeah. Did you but, get the sense early on in the movie when we're introduced to Needham and he comes over to Sweden like? That he was going to, and this is where I was saying, I was feeling like, is he going to kill her? Because every time he was approaching someplace she may have been, it was with gun drawn. Like, is he going to assassinate her? Like, because he knows that, you know, he picked this up or whatever. That's the other thing. Okay, here's my nitpick. I do have a nitpick in the movie. And here everyone, everyone get and a nitpick. No. So we have all this high tech going on, right? We have... Lisbeth and Camilla, we have Needham, but Lisbeth particularly, she's always a, a step ahead. She's playing chess. She has, she knows her pieces on the board. It's great. We have all this other high tech that's shown in the movie, but yet, how do they track people down? Oh, just put find my iPhone on. <laughs> and that, that's what it seemed like. And that happened a couple of times in the movie. I said, really, people wouldn't mask their phones so they wouldn't use burner phones. I go, really? We're finding it from the GPS of the car? I'm like, wow, how smart are these people? That I thought was funny. And then I let it go and I watched the movie. Well, well I did like how she tracked the boy with the, the chess piece, literal yes, chess piece. Yes. I was like, I knew that. I, I, that was piece, not yeah. a surprise. I was no, like, she's giving she's, something to him. Yes. She's definitely keeping tabs on him. Um, wasn't surprised, but definitely character wise for yeah. Lizzie. She would totally do something like uh, that. Uh, absolutely. I did like the little boy. Well, like, before we, I, I want to, uh, I want to talk. About, I want to talk about the high tech because they apparently did have a hacker consultant on this movie. So everything from that standpoint that we do see is actually plausible. Uh, so as far as that, even though that may sound like or look like just James Bond made up stuff, most of it is actually real. Like control, if you can get into the Bluetooth of a car. You can control the car. Oh, yeah. Fate of the Furious. Yeah, I was like, that's definitely Fate of the Furious. Make it rain. <laughs> well, that, that was a little far stretch, but yeah. yeah. Um, Times a thousand. You know. And, and Elizabeth did get a hold of the car, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, she made the airbag, like, blow. She that controlled was that vehicle. Good, yeah, that yeah, was a that was good. good chase scene, I thought, on that bridge. Yeah. I thought that was cool. And I liked how she, uh, again, outsmarted them where she actually climbed up and, like, raised the bridge. Raised the bridge? I'm like, yeah, you go, girl. Yeah. That's good. smart. She I didn't even use technology for that. She yeah. just used common Smarts. Sense. Yeah, common sense. I mean, sense. technically, it is technology because the, the, the <laughs> thing has to... <laughs> she made the effort to hit that button and be like, if I did this, it will raise the bridge and they can't get right. to me. Yeah, that, that, that was, was definitely a great one because I was like, wait, she's leaving the little boy. Yeah, that, yeah that's what exactly. I thought, too. I was like, what is she doing? Yeah, but then I, then I saw, like, oh, that's cool. 
have weird bridges over there. <laughs> right. And it, it actually, like, it could be a nitpick, but it bothered me that they took so long walking that bridge. It's like, no, if you're <laughs> tracking this boy who's obviously right. very important to you, you go run to him, especially when he, he's left right. unaccompanied. Well, let's talk walking. about the little boy. Okay. Because... Um, I, I I thought as an actor he did a wonderful job, um, and I don't know. I, th- I think we're seeing a lot of these movies where like the kids are the key. Maybe just recently, right. um, I, I may, I'm referring to Predator, <laughs> perhaps not to spoil that movie. No, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I thought it worked. A, it certainly worked a lot better here than it did in Predator. So if that's any uh, kudos. And it was a nice twist too. And I felt that it was like I felt that it was earned because throughout the movie we did see that the kid was a little odd. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know why. You know, we didn't know that he was like a rain man mm-hmm. when it come to this sort of thing. And and when the coding could stump the likes of Lizbeth and company, um, that I thought was I, I thought it was fun. And, how the little kid, oh, yeah, it's all these numbers. Like, oh, okay. Primary numbers. I'm yeah. like, yeah, sure, I God bless you. you. <laughs> He'd be beater at chess. Yeah, and he yeah. was good, too. It's like I said, the little boy was good. August, uh, August or Christopher Convery. Um, and this was something, too, that, that hadn't really been done in previous installments, is that there was a really good relationship between Lizbeth and August. Mm-hmm. Early liked, it was more than just protector, there was actual caring, mm-hmm. and and Claire Foy, I thought, uh, emoted that very well. I really enjoyed the relationship that those two shared uh, in the movie. Yeah, you you like you like the August too, right? Yeah, I liked him too. I kept wondering though. I didn't know if they were like trying to highlight that he's like a math savant or if he was on the spectrum in any way. I was trying to figure out like if there was a certain backstory there, and I don't know. That scene was so brutal where his dad was just murdered right in front of him. I thought that that scene was well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and at that point, you just kind of think it all goes to hell, right? But um, all the earlier pieces of the dad telling him, like, go back to your drawings. And I, I don't necessarily know how that factors into all of it. But apparently, like, that was one of his special gifts was, I, I don't know how it, like, nurtured and fostered his brilliance, but it right. did. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but I like the boy. All right. Any other story things that you guys want to talk about before we shift gears into kind of making of aspects? Yeah. I just have one question. Do you really think Camilla, the sister, is truly dead? That's a good question. I mm. wondered because we saw her fall, but we into saw her fog. fall into fog. Right. And I always say, if you don't physically see a body die on screen, mm-hmm. there's always the possibility, and we know that this is a series, that they could come back. Yeah, if we don't see them die on screen, I'm with you. I thought I had the same exact I still feeling don't at think the end she's of the movie. Dead. I'm not. I'm not 100 convinced. 100 percent convinced either. Yeah, I'm in your camp. I thought the same thing. It's like, a good she possibility. Fell in, she she fell in fog. Alive. Yeah, it's like where the hell did the fog come from? <laughs> there could have been snow <laughs> immediately underneath that. I don't know. Well, especially since the the opening of the movie is uh, Salander falling. Mm-hmm. And she survives. Like that's yeah. the whole premise of like, hey, can I can I do the same thing? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. It's a good prediction. What do we think? I think you she's think still alive? alive, alive or dead? Dead. Dead. Yeah. What I'm, you? Thinking, I'm thinking the odds are if the again not knowing the second book, um, I'm, I'm thinking I'm taking movie logic and saying she's more than likely alive. Mm-hmm. Here's the good news: you can skip a movie too and have her come back for the third. That's, that's what they yeah. did with. Uh, well, I won't say it, but let's just say a Chris Nolan trilogy. All right, moving uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, moving on. Um, so let's talk about the making of, right? We um, we, we talked a little bit about the director, but I want to kind of go into him a little bit more. Um, Fede Alvarez. He is from Uruguay, and he, he did Don't Breathe, which we, uh, certainly Dimitri and I liked. Uh, Marissa, I don't think you saw that movie. Oh, no, I did. <laughs> oh, you did? I did. We talked about it. It was disturbing as all hell. It's a disturbing movie. Disturbing. Really, and it um, takes a twist. That but the direction is, but was great. Phenomenal. The story like, was pretty effed up. But. And it, that movie, I think, is like 90 minutes. Not that we'll do another complete breakdown of that here, but, but what I'm getting at is that movie is like 90 minutes. That's 90 minutes of pretty much on the edge of your seat. 
kind of suspense. That's an anxiety like, movie. It really like I was well his at the end I was like wow this guy knows what he is doing and how to manipulate an audience regardless of how disturbing the story is. It it's disturbing but it's the suspense that that direct that he builds. Yeah. It's, it's really well, solid. Well that that's one of his main focal points when he does a movie he wants to evoke uh he, Emotion, yes, but more so, it almost like not. He, he won't call it like a sadistic thing, but he wants people to be on edge. And certainly, when you take a, a movie in the Girl and the Dragon Tattoo series, <coughs> there's gonna be certainly this movie has plenty of elements. Like that's where uh, one of the things we didn't talk about was the black bag or whatever you want to call it. Oh yeah, that suction. Bag. Oh yeah, yeah, and that was something that came to him, and he's like, "This is perfect." Now, you know, that's I don't know if it comes to most people's minds. Sadistic torture, yeah, that well, feels. And like just think of "Girl with the Dragon Tattoo," and the ending of that movie with um, oh, what's that actor's name? I can't think of him. Skarsgård. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the end of that when he has Daniel Craig tied up and ball ball gagged and everything there's always those elements in those stories so that was that was an interesting one that's for sure well what i'm saying is this is right up his his alley in terms of that um that not torture what i don't know i don't know the word for it maybe you guys do but i think like suffocation kind of builds that natural anxiety when you're watching Mm -hmm. yeah i mean and i'll tell you from he did have one fincher-esque moment in the movie and this is when he the the car crash and it starts from way down you see the car and it goes like into the trees and everything that was really well done and it was the first time that i actually got like that that fincher-esque sense that it is just damn bleak over there it's always gray it's cold (laughs) um and just the way that that scene that that one comes towards the end uh, I thought that that was a really well-directed scene for me. So I think he did a really good job. He kept the pacing going, too. I didn't find that the movie was overly long. So he and his editors and cinematographers worked really well together. Um, and that's part of the reason, I think, why I liked it at the end. I was like, okay, this is around two hours. So it moved. It was. It didn't drag. Yeah. yeah, and I like the fact they were constantly traveling, moving from point A to point B. Like, as, like yeah. I said at the top, is like you're following these characters, and that's what naturally just keeps you engaged. Yes. you're watching them travel the world. You're mm-hmm. watching them all come to Sweden yeah. here for for the climax scene, and it and not everyone had like too long of scenes because sure. it is big cast. If you think about it, there are a lot of a lot characters of and a lot of moving parts, and. So you're following everybody just, like, slowly getting closer to each other. And, and speaking of pacing and editing, too, let's look, let's look at the scene at the airport, which is yeah. done really well, too. Mm-hmm. I, really I like that scene. And when when that character, when uh, Needham, he's, like, sort of kind of trapped, she goes, well, what do you choose? I can unlock the door for you or this? And I'm like, it, in that scene, it feels like it goes on for about 10 minutes. The way that it's edited and it gets yeah. ramped up and people are over here, people are passing people over here. I was like, this is really well choreographed, mm-hmm. I Absolutely. felt. Yeah, I thought it looked good on the big screen. To play. And then when he walks out the door, there she is. I'm like going, oh, my God. That was like, that was cool. Of course. Well, we talked a lot about the technology, but did you guys know this movie was made by Sony? Yeah. I don't know if you guys could tell by the technology. <laughs> yeah, because Sony never There's plugs their so own much, stuff. so much, yeah. So much product placement. They always do that. Always, always. But listen, you know what? At the end, I I get like it's a product plug, but it 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 didn't feel necessarily that forced. You know, I mean, with like the whole premise is her using technology, right? Um, And so, so I thought it worked in that respect quite well overall. Um, Let's. One of the things that we should definitely talk about as we talk about these various things, her look, right? She is the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they created a very different look than Rooney Mara's, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, whether deliberately or not, but, but like we, we've mentioned it, Claire Foy embodies this. And uh, 
I don't know. I, I wanted you guys to give a chance to talk about it, and you know, because she is such an iconic character. Right, and Claire Foy, she she mentioned in interviews that yeah, you kind of have to have the dragon tattoo because that's like the you character. That's the character trait for for this character. But she wasn't like so focused on the makeup aspect. She was more focused on the character qualities and traits that make up. Oh, uh, Lisbeth Solander. Right. She's like, yeah, dragon tattoos. We had to have it, but it's not defining of who she is. And I was, and she went into a different approach in that way. Right. She's like, oh, that's pretty interesting. That's how she approached the character. Yeah. Mina, what about you? What did you? Uh... I'm like looking at her pictures right now, like all of them, just to refresh my memory. But no, I think like everything down from like her, the expression of her eyes and like the intensity she brought in her face. Like, everything, everything was perfect. I can't even imagine. I know you were talking about earlier in the notes how there were other people who were considered for this role, like Natalie Portman, Scarlett Johansson. I think in terms of casting, they did a perfect job going with Claire Foy. She has, like, that tomboy edge. Um, She's extremely fierce, extremely strong. And, like, in real life, she's gorgeous, but they kind of, like, made her look, like, rough around the edges in this movie. Androgynous. Yeah, very, yeah, very androgynous. And, she just did a great job, like, really getting into that character, both physically and in terms of, like, just portraying that yeah. strong, aggressive lead, but still with, like, this vulnerability and pain inside. Yeah. I think Alicia Vikander would have been good, but I like her as uh, Laura Croft Laura more. Croft. I mean, I, like I love her. Alicia Vikander. You know this. Um, go watch our anatomy on Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. That, was, that was fantastic. Um, also, it, w- it would have been way, great if Felicia. I like. I wouldn't mind if Felicia was in this because she's also Swedish in real yeah. life, so it kind of makes sense that it, it would work. And she does fit the physical profile and um, age demographic of what Elizabeth is. But Claire Foy, as an actress right now, she's booming. Mm-hmm. She just won Golden Globe Emmys literally within yeah. the last two years. Like she. Girls getting it, um, and she's so she's a hot commodity right now, and it's good. It's good timing for her for her career. It makes sense that they would go with her. Yeah, it made it, it makes complete sense, and and Alicia Vikander wouldn't have had a problem. Not sure. And again, I'm I, I dislike these conversations because it it can be in some ways deemed demeaning, and I'm not demeaning any of the talents of the actresses I'm about to talk to, but I'm not entirely sure Scarlett Johansson where she worked really well and she handled action and ghost in the shell really well mm-hmm. not sure she can pull off elizabeth salander um uh i feel um, like she's a little too like voluptuous and and she has a lot perhaps. of the sexy roles even when they're like strong female leads there's still a certain like sexiness to them that i don't feel would have made sense for this role specifically yeah i mean it would have been a good try seeing her as a brunette smoking whatever um natalie portman has played tough Kids, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe for her a little younger, but I think she could have done it. I think ultimately they went with the right person yeah. um, in, in Claire Foy. She made the role her own. And if you're a fan of each of the uh, iterations of these stories, Numi Replace. I, like, after watching the Swedish films and you see Numi Replace play, play this character, you just say to yourself, nobody could outdo her. So David Fincher comes along. We have uh, Rooney Mara, and Rooney Mara comes in, and you're like, "Oh, she's really good too." Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you top Rooney Mara? Like, it's not that Rooney Mara topped Numi Rapace, but she was on par. Mm-hmm. And then with Claire Foy, you go, "Okay, how's Claire Foy going to pull this off?" And she too is able to accomplish what the previous two uh, did. They made the characters their own. They're very, very fascinating to watch. Well, I think, I think the process is unique in this sense, right? You find you find an actress that you feel like could fit it, and then rather than force that that actress to fully be something that she's not, you you tailor the character to fit more of that actor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think I think you like even just look wise, you can tell these various things. Right. Um, I think like Rooney Mara style to this her, you know. Everything f- seemed a little bit more practical. F- from what I remember, she's wearing a lot more black in this one. Like it's not like Rooney Mara was wearing rainbow colored dresses, <laughs> oh, <no>. but <laughs> I think there was a d- big distinction uh, of this one where she's black, 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 yeah, and tank tops and things like that. Yeah, and 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 again too with Numi Rapace, she was far more 
like uh, uh, Sex Pistols punk, mm-hmm. right? The big hair she had a lot. Sometimes it would be colored. Same with Rooney Mara. There's always a punk it, yeah. element. There's like a punk alternative element in each iteration of, of Lizbeth. And I think each one, albeit slightly different, I think they each work. And like I said, at the end of this movie, I'd say, I wouldn't mind seeing her play this, do this role again. I, I liked her that much. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to see another adventure with Lizbeth uh, and see how it plays out and see Claire Foy do it. Absolutely. Um, and I, I like that they overall, you know, as far as the architecture and things like that, like it, it just looks gorgeous. The places <laughs> look fantastic. Um, they it, wanted to show a lot of like modern buildings of, yes. of Sweden mm-hmm. because we're living in well the movie and the storyline takes place in just modern technology. Right. They they wanted to show modern structures. Yeah, and with the gray and um, the muted saturated it, colors, and that is a direct contrast to what Fincher's Girl with the Dragon Tattoo is. Again, mm-hmm. that lends to that story. They are way out in the sticks. Uh, for that story, they're very far removed from the city, so this one is far more a city state story. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, what do you guys think of the music in this one? Because when it comes to Fincher, his music is kind of more yeah. iconic, right? It, 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 um, Trent Reznor and so forth, like they have yeah. that great collaboration. Um, you know, Trent didn't obviously do this one. No. Uh, I don't know. Does it does it live up to that, or does it just service the movie and that was that was that? I think it helped with the transitions, especially when you're building the when especially the airport when we see oh, people yeah. going place to place. Yeah. That the music helped follow you along and keep yeah. you engaged. Also with the when they finally started shooting up the place it, yeah. in in the finale esque yeah. part, the, the big climaxing, and they're shooting through the walls like it's nothing but explosions and, yeah. and shooting and music. So, yeah, really. I, I you know the, the, there were there were beats that were Reznor esque uh, from, from Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That is a really it's it's Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. The the Trent Reznor one is it's a solid soundtrack, and at times it can be very creepy. Um, I thought the soundtrack here worked for for, for this movie. Um, like I said, Tresnor esque enough so that thematically it stays within that universe. It was pretty decent. Yeah, yeah I, I, I enjoyed it. I like too um, regarding her Claire Foy's accent, which sounded very natural to me. It took her ten days to get it down. <laughs> She's an actress. <laughs> no, I, I, she is, but I, I thought. She carried it really well. There was nothing uh, forced mm-hmm. or cartoonish about it either. You mm-hmm. know, the, the Boston accent is one of the hardest things to do. And if you do it wrong, you just sound retarded. <laughs> so, uh, well, luckily she didn't have to do a Boston accent. No, but I bet you she could. Uh, more than likely. More than likely. This girl is dedicated. Speaking of her Emmy win, just right after that, she was out promoting the girl with the girl in the spider's web why do i i keep wanting to say girl with the dragon tattoo that's the first she is movie. the girl with the dragon <laughs> tattoo but she's in a different movie i mean after all there's so many spiders in this movie as, as uh, like visual subtext that I sh- oh yeah I so many spiders at the very beginning right. and when they finally capture her and like in that warehouse building yeah spiders all over the place i'm like oh man i'm gonna have a hard time watching this film that's <laughs> a whole drinking game of itself i know <laughs> count the spiders goodness uh, well, unfortunately, it didn't do the best in the box office. It didn't capture that money in that web that I was trying to throw out there. Um, number six, opening weekend overall. Not very good. No. no Not what you would expect. And I'm trying to figure out, like, why. Like, why, why domestically? Like... There's no big names. I think that's why. Claire Foy. I mean, I mean, yeah. No, I mean, I I think that's that's a decent, it's a decent argument, you know. And the first girl with the dragon tattoo with David Fincher, you could say there had already been the Swedish versions. They were relatively still fresh. The books, particularly, because they were bestsellers forever, were still in the consciousness. Maybe people. Felt that they've seen it already. I don't know. This one is a good enough movie, and I don't know of any. 
um, I don't know of any like adult thrillers that are out there of of this sense. So I was like, and this one to me was good enough. It didn't do great on reviews either. No, only forty one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. B on Cinema Score, which is isn't the great. No, forty eight percent audience though. It's always a the audience likes it a little bit more usually. Uh, yeah, well, that, that much. Forty one, forty eight. That's not. Yeah, it's, still it's, really, it's low. really low. Yeah. yeah, it'd be different if it was forty one and like eighty six. Yeah, that's true. You know. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing too. The budget in this movie was forty three million, which actually for forty three million they made a good looking yeah, movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I for so forty three million they made a good looking movie. You know, when you're looking at a worldwide gross of eighteen. I mean, they're going to have to overcome a lot. It's going to have to really pull its weight overseas, and rather than for me to to break even, quite honestly, these these numbers don't indicate to me that we're going to see Claire Foy in another as Elizabeth Salander again. I don't know what they're going to do. To be yeah, I mean, I, it'd be one thing if they didn't have an uphill battle to climb, but we are just getting movie after movie after movie. Well, that's true too. You know, that, that, that is act, it might not be the thrillers, true. but um, right now it's just, yeah, like when you open number six, right? You know, if you can stay like number six, maybe like week two, week three, eh, you're kind of okay. Yeah. But there, there's really no big holiday this weekend, so it's, it's mm-hmm. not like they're competing with anything, they're just competing with movies that are have already been out. Fantastic mm-hmm. Beasts, yeah, and The yeah. Grinch, like those, yeah. like those, those aren't out yet. Well, no, The Grinch but, was, but yeah, oh, The Grinch was definitely. Oh, the you're talking about the past weekend, yeah, but, yeah in the past week, Bohemian was still playing, oh, really yeah, well. like they're yeah. playing against um, movies that have already been out for at least one to couple two of weeks. weeks, yeah. Was and it then, marketed well, though? I, I don't feel like I saw any advertising um, for that. Oh, well, we can get into the trailer, the yeah. trailer gave away everything. That, too, was a problem. I, I did see a lot of marketing on this. I didn't particularly think that the billboards were fetching or grabbing. Um, the trailer Gave trailer was just... Okay. It's shame on whoever cut that. I think it opens up with the ending. I think, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's... You know, I, I think hiding the sister would have been much better... Yeah, it would have been the the twist of the movie. Yes, because once we got to the sister and she was in the movie, I was like, "Yeah, I know you're the big baddie or the big villain." All you had to accentuate is I I get that they wanted to accentuate that Elizabeth's back. She's the defender of women um, for men who treat women badly, uh, and Elizabeth is in this high tech hijacking thing. Done. That done. We don't need to see a woman in red. We didn't need to get the whole thing about the sister. But they basically told the main one of the main parts of the story, and they did tell way too much. Yeah. Well, you have the, the Swedish government lady against her, so you could have used her in the trailer. Like she's enough of a mini villain for sure, trailer purposes. Sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely, yeah. she got her comeuppance. Yeah, <laughs> she did. She wanted too much, and yep, yep, take you out. So, but and it's and it's also interesting too because the 2011 Girl with the Dragon Tattoo it grossed 102 million dollars, which that's not you know that's not bad money. It opened up uh, its opening was actually uh, 12 million, but it went on to make a hundred, which is in today's day and age. I know this is 2011. Mm-hmm. That's still though that hung around for a long time. To open up at twelve and get to uh, when did that release? What, what time? That was year? like Christmas time, yeah. ironically. And so it was like within the Academy because that one got a lot of Academy push. It tried, and then yeah, it, and they felt that a hundred million wasn't enough. So because a couple of factors came in, they wanted to get Fincher back on board to do. I think the next book is um, Girl Who Played with. Or girl who I think it's girl who played with fire. Somebody can correct me. So it's girl with the dragon tattoo. Girl who played with fire. Girl who kicked a hornet's nest. They wanted to do girl who played with fire. Wanted to get Fincher and Daniel Craig and everybody back on, uh, but they're they're asking too much. Particularly Daniel Craig. He said no. He goes, this is what I want. Pay I mean, this. He just did. You know, he, he was at the Bond. height of Bondo. Yeah, and I'm like, why aren't you paying this guy? Like what? Like, he saved your studio with James Bond. Just pay him the money. But think of the cast, though. 
You had Craig, Mara, Robin Wright mm-hmm. was in the. I mean, you had cast. Skarsgård. Skarsgård. And again, I'm not disparaging He's the also cast. Who's also Swedish. So, yeah, its opening weekend was 12. Uh, you know, it opened up at 2,000. 2,900 locations. December 21st is when it opened. Yeah. Not necessarily the greatest time to release. That's a dark movie. Yeah. Uh, or on Christmas? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I mean, that movie, like, in terms of darkness, I, like, no offense, like, seeing that rape scene in that one. That's a tough one. I, like, I was done for the whole rest of the movie. I was like, just watching it, shocked. It's tough. It's, it's not lot. that much easier in the Swedish version. And that was meant for TV. Jeez. So Swedish TV is different than American oh, TV. Much different. But even when you look at the marketing campaign, you know, who are they highlighting? Well, it's Daniel Craig. Now, that's the funny thing from, from comparison from book to screen. Bloomquist is sort of a frumpy kind of a guy. He's not, like, overly attractive. I think it's one of the jokes of the movie. And Stieg Larsson put himself into the role because he'd never considered himself to be overly attractive, but he got the most attractive women <laughs> to sleep with him. And here in this movie, we get Daniel Craig. Nobody's ever going to say, eh, I'm not going to be with you. <laughs> right. You know, but they had a great marketing sense. He had really great direction from Fincher. He did a really super job. Um, so coming into this movie, how do we cut budget? Cast. <laughs> but the yeah. cast still performs. I like the fact to see fresh faces that I've really not seen. So it keeps you from going, oh, he, oh look, look who it is. Well, who I, it is. I, I think the just we skip stories. You know? Yeah. I, I think it really kind of comes down to that, to be honest. And, and do you think then, well, the decision was obviously made. Well, we're not going to get Fincher. They're asking too much money. We can go on and make the second book, but it's going to be with a different cast. Like, the decision probably went, we don't know from a cost-benefit analysis if that's going to work. I, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I just, yeah. I, listen, movies movies have done it in the past. But, it's worked. It, and, and here's the thing, too. This is what I don't understand. Worldwide, the movie made, the, the, the 2011... $232 million. It did $130 million overseas. I don't... And for some reason, Sony was saying it it wasn't a really big hit. Now, it cost $90 million, it says here, on Box Office Mojo to make, right? But you still made $232 million worldwide. I don't, I don't understand why wouldn't you just put the money back in and get that cast back and continue and fill out the trilogy. Sony's not had the best years. No. Let's also, you know, let's, let's rewind. It, 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 true. They are in a rebound. And I would have to think that they might think that this movie was a bit of a, a you know, a bit of a, a misstep. I think they were maybe hoping for more because they have had a good year this year, which is good on them. And I think they'll have a good year next year. Well, yeah. I mean, so they're just starting. I think they and Paramount are in that. We've gotten rid of some chaff. We had drama going on. We're rebuilt. And I think they're ramping up. But, I mean, you'd have to say that Spider's Web, they're probably hoping for a little bit more. It's not going to reach $102 Not, not not in the time period that we're in now. Listen, no. we could see a we are in a, we are in the holiday season. A Christmas miracle could happen. Who knows? I can't predict these things. Uh, final thoughts, though, everybody. Marissa, let's start with you. Overall, for like the action and the cat and mouse chase of a game, it's fun. It's engaging. Um, the stories, I think, get a little convoluted to the point where you're like, what? But as an action film, yeah. I, I would recommend it to people who want to go see it. It's not a terrible film. No. Uh, by by any means, but it's not the best film to recommend. Yeah, I would agree. I would say it's not something I would see more than once, but I wouldn't be mad. I wouldn't feel like it's a waste to see it once just because it's entertaining. It's fun. Um, I really like Claire Foy as the protagonist of the film. Yeah, there were some plot points, but I feel like I can kind of overlook it because of the entertaining quality of the action and seeing a female lead doing all of these things mm-hmm. and 
Um, if there was a sequel, I probably would still see it just because it's fun. <laughs> yeah, she was sort of Batgirlish in a sense, but I liked her smarts. Listen, I, I like the fact that it was a rated R adult thriller. It wasn't. It's not meant for teenagers. I know. Um, you know, I, 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 they're probably hoping they got more of a twenty-something crowd to go in and see this movie. Uh, at the end of the day, I wouldn't mind seeing. Other Elizabeth Salander, Mikhail Bloomquist stories. Sadly, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. It's too bad because I think they they could have had something going um, as far as rebooting the series. Where they go, they own the rights to this stuff. They, they they've spent money on it. I don't know what they're going to do for now. Yeah. Well, I I, I am if either way, I'm I'm very curious. I w- I would go see another one. Essentially, is what I'm saying. All right, well, there you- <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Let us know if you agreed with us, disagreed with us, how, why, all that good stuff. Like I said at the top, it's not just about us conversing. It's really about the community of movie fans, which includes you at home. So please don't hesitate. Let us know your thoughts and opinions. We truly do appreciate it. You know, all the, st- the basic questions of like, did you read the books? Did you see the first movie? What did you think of this? All that stuff. Um, and for more direct interaction at Serafini TV from Marissa. That's right. At D Movies, at D Movies seventeen oh one for Dimitri. Yes. <laughs> and at Mina makes magic for Mina. Am I correct? Yes. Thank All you. All right. <laughs> Look at that. And I'm at Phil Svitek. And of course, this is the Popcorn Talk. Thank you for joining us as we ramp up into the holiday schedule. We've got a lot. We're gonna have kind of a very very fast-paced anatomy schedule, so try and keep up. Uh, but also, it doesn't matter. You can always just catch us at your convenience. That's what makes on-demand and digital so fantastic. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time for another Anatomy of Movie. Thanks. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principal.